And welcome in to another episode of the Lacrosse Bucket Podcast. Tanner Demling here with y'all as always. Hope everyone had a happy Thanksgiving. We're back. Obviously did not have a show on Thursday. Uh, next week we'll be back to our regular scheduled uh, programming, regular scheduled uh, schedule um, Tuesday, Thursday. And Sunday. This is a Sunday episode, so we are digging into the mailbag. First question that I want to address. This one actually comes from last week. Um, I believe this was sent in on Instagram, like, literally right after I recorded last week's mailbag. I would have included this in there if I would have gotten it in time. Um, Question to simply ask, when will Rutgers be a perennial top 10 contender? Now, if you read my Thursday article or listened on Tuesday... You know, I think Rutgers is a top 15 job. So I do think they can eventually be a top 10, perennial top 10 contender. They've been, um, I would say they've been close. Certainly in 2017, they eclipsed that number one ranking in week six and then They have dropped off since they lost to Delaware. And, you know, when I look at this kind of chapter, I would say 2015-2016 to now, when I look at this chapter of Rutgers lacrosse history, you know, I look at it pre- and post-Delaware, that loss. Because, so they lose that one and they drop down. And they've never really rebounded. Like, they, 2018 was a decent season. 2019 was a decent season. Uh, this year, they had a decent thing going before the season was cut short. But, like, they've never gotten back to that elite, elite status. Um, in 2016, so the year prior to getting that number one ranking, which I believe was the first time Rutgers had been ranked number one in anything in, like, a decade. Um, So in 2016, they made the Big Ten title game, and they were hovering around that 16 to 19 ranked spot um, each week. That year, I actually think they should have made the NCAA tournament. I think it is, um, I mean, that, that was just pathetic that they did not get in that year. I mean, they went to the Big Ten title game. I can't remember what the score was, but I, I believe it was close-ish um, against Maryland, I believe, um, in, in that title game. So, no, probably should have made it that year. Uh, 2017, I can see why they didn't make it, uh, but 2016 definitely should have made it. Now, as I mentioned... I do believe Rutgers can get to that spot where they are a perennial big, a perennial top ten contender. I in again, 
like I mentioned in that article earlier this week, and like I mentioned, I believe I mentioned it, I mentioned it a bit on the last uh, podcast on Tuesday, is that they have the recruiting base, they have some facility upgrades coming. They like we know they can win. They they've shown flashes of what they can be, but I just don't know how soon everything will click there. Will it be the next two to three seasons? I don't know. Um, and also, I do want to mention this. Like, if, if Rutgers is going to be a perennial top 10 contender, like if I'm ranking programs, not like, not like teams, just programs in the Big Ten, right now, I have Ohio State and Penn State over them, over Rutgers, without a doubt. And then Maryland is over them. Michigan is below them. And I, I don't, I don't, right now, I don't know where Hopkins would be in that. Um, but for Rutgers to be a perennial top 10 team, now obviously, I think every Big Ten team has that potential to be a perennial top 10 contender. But for Rutgers to do that, they're going to have to jump certain programs. They're going to have to jump Ohio State and maybe jump Penn State. Now, I can't see... I cannot see Rutgers being a perennial top five team year in and year out. But top ten standings, yes, I can see them doing that. It... Probably won't be two. It's probably not in the what I would say the near future. So at two to three years, I think we will see some very good Rutgers teams. But I would say probably twenty twenty one. We'll see what happens. Um, I think we could see some crazy some some craziness this year. Uh, does Rutgers get a top ten ranking? Could happen. Um, 2022, I, I, I don't know. Like, I think 2023 and beyond is what you're looking at from a uh, time frame standpoint. Um, and I know there's been some talk of, like, can, can Brecht get it done? I, I think he's clearly shown... He can get it done. I want to see what they can do recruiting-wise with some of these new upgrades to their facilities and see how much that uh, how much that makes them more competitive because I certainly think it will. And we've seen them be competitive before. But as terms of being a perennial top 10 contender, I think that is at least three years down the road, maybe five. And look, historically, if you go back and go to you know, the Wikipedia page or go to the uh, Rutgers uh, record book on their website, look at 
the seasons that they've had. There's been some good ones. There's been some bad ones. But there's a lot of average. There's a lot of 8-8, eight and 7-7, eight, seven and 6-7, seven, six and 7-5. Seven, seven and five. Like, there's a lot of average. And I think that's, they've shown, like, historically, Rutgers is just average. They've got a, they can certainly be more than average, and they've had very much so above average seasons. But they have got to, that mold has to be broken if they want to be a perennial top 10 contender, like you say. Next question here. And I'll read you the whole question here. This is Tanner. A lot of folks are high on Byrne and Harvard. That would be Jerry Byrne, the head coach uh, there. So what's your thoughts coming into the second year under Byrne? Can Harvard break this trend of being a perennial underachiever? Um, so I'll say this. I'm a big Jerry Byrne fan. I liked him at Notre Dame, and I like him at Harvard. I really like him at Harvard. Um, year one, didn't get to see much, obviously. Um, I don't even think they had a home game, which is, like, awful, awful for those guys. Um, or they might have had one home game. I don't know. Um, but they didn't get to play much because of the season getting canceled. And Ivy already starts late, and they're starting in March this year. Um, fingers crossed that they keep their word on that. Uh, we've seen what they've done in the past. Um, I digress. Back to Harvard. Um, and you two. I'm not 100% sure what to expect. I expect them to improve. And I expect them to... Like, I I expect them, especially on the defensive end, to improve. Um, Rutgers... uh, Harvard has uh, some really solid players. Austin Madronic. Uh, is probably the best offensive player. Uh, Kyle Mullen, uh, I like him. He's the goalie. Um, this Harvard offense overall, I've really liked the past couple of seasons. Their defense has been the problem. Uh, Jerry Byrne, obviously a very defensive-minded coach, was the defensive coordinator at Notre Dame. He comes in. I think you already saw some improvements on that end in 2020. The the bit that we got to see, you saw some of that. Um, This is a... Their defense has not been very good. Their offense has been solid. Um, We don't know... I know Princeton has a lot of opt-outs. Um, Harvard, if you look on the roster, they only have like the freshmen on there or something like that. Um, and they've only gotten 
They've only been able to have the freshmen, I believe, for fall. Um, so that that's worrisome. Just that you've only been able to have a certain amount of guys on campus for fall ball. Um, when other schools have been able to have all of them. And Harvard's not the only one in this boat. Um, so that is a concern that, you know, I, I think there's room, there is reason for optimism, just maybe not so much in 2021 because of what they've had to deal with in the fall. Um, I do think because of that, though, we could put, and they have a good, uh, they had a good 2020 class. Um, I think they had two unknown All Americans. Um, so I do like what they bring in, and we could see some of those freshmen step up early on. You know, looking at this from a 50,000 foot view, um, and incorporating all the history that we've seen at Harvard. I think Harvard is, they're just being Harvard. Like, when you talk about them underachieving, yeah, they they can certainly be better than they have been. And certainly they've done less with more talent than any other program. Uh, or they've been one of the um, prime targets of that, prime examples of that over the past couple seasons. But when you look at historically what they've been, it's been nothing special. Had a couple good seasons, went to a couple NCAA tournaments. They've never really been a top-tier Ivy program. I think they can be that, but again, they've never really been one. They've been kind of a mediocre program. That has potential. So I think under Burn, we could see that potential come out. I just don't know when that will be. Again, they've got some great players on that team this year. Um, we aren't exactly sure what their, the Ivy's schedule is going to look like, what the rosters are going to look like. Um, if there are opt-outs or, or, or whatever, how things are going to mesh at some of these schools that either A, didn't have a fall ball, or B, had a limited fall ball, um, meaning only like half of your team then. So that's that's an interesting thing that we have to think about in 2021. Um, I don't think it will be as much. I don't. I think early on you will certainly see that impact, maybe towards, a you know late March, April, and May we will start to see some cohesion and and, and things of that nature, um, with some of these teams, but early on it'll be it, it'll be a test. It'll be something to watch, and Harvard, from what I've seen, what I've heard is very much in that boat. So I wouldn't expect too much from them in 2021, but I think there is certainly room for growth up there in Cambridge.
this uh, last question that we will address here. It's a bit of a three or two parter. Um, they ask about UNC and Notre Dame, and essentially what it's asking is, if not for that 2016 season, would we be viewing Joe? How would Joe Brushy be viewed today? And would he be viewed a lot like Kevin Corrigan and Notre Dame? in the sense of he can't win the big one. I'm doing air quotes right now, but you can't see me because this is a podcast. Um, I, I think if, and that 2016 season was, I mean, people don't realize this, like they had lost to, who was it? They lost to UMass or Hofstra, and it was a bad Hofstra team, I believe it was, um, early in the year. And it looked like UNC was not very good. I mean, it was, I mean, that was an upset. I think it was like a Tuesday night game as well. And it was like, it was one of those upsets when you're like, man, like UNC, they, they just don't have it this year. And and I remember that. And everyone was kind of like, yeah, you know, UNC probably finished at the bottom of the ACC. Um, they... I can't remember where they finished in the ACC, but they eventually won the national title. Uh, had that magnific- magnificent run in May. Uh, that's why they call it May Madness, fellas. Um, you know, if if UNC wouldn't have won that. So I think if they would have gotten there, we would still view... Because I think a lot of people view Notre Dame as like, they've been there, but they just can't get it done. I think no. I think UNC would have been, and obviously I can't. How many years was it that they hadn't made the tournament, um, or hadn't made championship weekend? Like it was, it had been like since the '90s, I believe, or something like that. And so you had that streak going because UNC ended their streak, and then Maryland ended their streak back to back use. Um. So if UNC would not have won that, if they wouldn't have even made the semifinals, we would still be talking like that of this, you know, UNC not, like the streak would still be living on essentially. And that would still be the main talking point every year heading into a UNC season. Notre Dame has been there. They've been to championship weekend. They've been in two title games, I believe. 2010-2014. They've never won it. They've gotten there, and they've never won it. So, you know, I, I don't necessarily view one of these programs above the other because they've made it. Um, but I get what you're, I get where you're coming at with this question and I get that mentality of like, if they can't get it done, then it might be time to move on. 
I'm not saying anyone should do that um, at any of these programs um, because that never happens. Well, rarely ever happens, I should say. Um, you know, when you... And then, you know, Virginia was, for many years, Virginia was down, right? And they eclipsed. They got back to the top. I say for many years. It was like three years. Um, but it felt like a long time that Virginia was down. And they got back up, right? UNC, you could argue they are, air quotes, down right now. Because what's the peak? A national title. What have they done for the past few seasons besides uh, the shortened 2020 year? Like gone 500 or like just above 500. So you could argue UNC is down, but they have a title. Notre Dame has been not as good over these past couple seasons as they were in the 20 in the like mid 2010s. So you could argue. Notre Dame is down, and they haven't won a title. And, you know, the way I view the ACC, I mentioned it used to be Virginia was below Notre Dame. And the ACC, really, I don't really think it's a tier. I think it's more of a cluster, especially this year. It's, It's just a... ACC, Big Ten, like everything's just a big cluster. There's so much talent. And there always is, but this year is just phenomenal. But regardless of talent, when you just look at each program, like I do think, like me personally, I do look at Notre Dame as, I do look at Notre Dame and UNC as kind of the basement of the ACC. Now, there's not many steps down to that basement. There's probably two or three steps down to that basement from the kitchen where Duke and Virginia and Q's have been eaten. Now, Q's, you could argue, is on one of those basement steps um, walking up. You could argue UNC's doing that as well. Notre Dame, on the other hand, we haven't seen them kind of get back to that level that they were at. We haven't seen them get back to that national title winning level. Syracuse obviously is trending in an upward direction in in many realms. Um, Talent-wise, they're insane. Um, recruiting is, is off the charts right now. Um... But they haven't won a title since 2009. I think that Syracuse name holds them up more than UNC and Notre Dame. But I still think, looking at the tiers of the ACC, they are very much so in that kind of middle section. So, you know, to 
kind of come back to things. In short, if UNC would not have won a title, would we view them the same as we view Notre Dame? Good potential can get there, but can't get it done. Absolutely. Absolutely. No question about it. That is all uh, for today's episode. Mailbag show. Again, you can send your questions to the mailbag via email, lacrossebucket at gmail.com. On Twitter, at lacrossebucket. Instagram is the same thing, I believe, as well as Twitter. On my personal Twitter, at Tanner underscore Demling, where you can find me personally. That is all for today's show. Have a great um, rest of the weekend, uh, holiday weekend, I guess you could call it. Um, And we will be back here on Tuesday. As always, check out lacrossebucket.com for your latest lacrosse news and notes. See y'all on Tuesday.